0: hey what's up you guys welcome back to the televised podcast my name is anna and today we're going to be talking about everything supergirl season 5 episode 3 it's called blurred lines and there was definitely some blurred lines happening uh, this episode that i will you know we'll get into that you know we will um i apologize if my voice sounds a bit rough i was yelling all weekend i went to a soccer game yesterday so red stars nwsl they made it to the finals um it was incredible i think we were all screaming uh shouting i I mean i know we were Uh, it was amazing it was such a good game but anyway that's totally beside the point i just apologize for my voice today because it's a bit tired (laughs) um So, really quick, before we get into everything, I want to talk about Batwoman because that episode that just aired was so good. It was incredible. Like, seriously, it was amazing. And I, I don't know, I just can't get over how Batwoman just keeps getting better and better and better, like, every episode. Like, it's just so good. I, like, if you're not watching the show, what are you doing? Like, everything about, Kate and um, Alice's relationship is incredible. Um, everything about Mary and Kate, like, they're so funny together. Like, everything about Luke and Kate, um, Sophie and Kate, like, I I don't know. It's just so good, guys. Like, seriously, if you're not watching Batman, it's amazing. Please get on it. Like, it is so good. And um, this week, I was just so impressed by, like, the the depth of of the characters. Like, I just, I don't know. I think it's just so good. Like, and Alice continues to be the best Arrowverse villain literally ever. Like, I genuinely do not think that there will be another Arrowverse villain like her. I mean, Alice is incredible. Like, seriously, she's amazing. And I just can't get over it. Like, I cannot. I cannot get over it. It's just so good. And Rachel Scarston does such an incredible job playing her. And, um, you know, Ruby is amazing. And they just did the suit reveal last night, which was amazing. Like, I'm so, 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 so happy, um, you know, to finally see Kate be Batwoman instead of, you know, dressing up and kind of pretending to be Batman the way that she was. Um, so hopefully, because, I mean, the critical response to the show immediately off the bat was like, she's just being Batman. Like, this is just Batman. I'm like, well, okay, maybe now people are going to be like, fine, she's Batwoman, because she is, and Sophie got to name her, which was amazing, and super, super Endgame-y to me. Uh, Bat-Sophie Endgame, for sure. (laughs) But you're here to listen to me talk about Supergirl, so let's get into it. The episode was 5.03, it was uh, Blurred Lines, um... It was good. It was a good episode. It was solid. It was a solid episode. Um a little bit less memorable, but I think because honestly this might sound really bad, but I have a rough time remembering um the episodes where like the Martians or Jean uh, not Jean specifically because I really enjoy Jean as a character, but just I guess the whole like Martian um culture like or the war or anything like that when that's like the center of the episode like I remember oh what episode was that was that season it was either I can't remember if it was season three or season four I think it was season three the one where Kara takes Jean's car to Mars to like go to Mars and they go to Mars like I thought that episode was like super boring maybe it's just because I just cannot I don't know why but I just can't connect with the Martian storyline, or I just like I don't know, I don't care, I don't know, but like the those episodes where the focus is very heavily on like Martian culture and stuff, I'm just not like super into them uh so this one was kind of like half that, but i I enjoyed it i I enjoy I especially enjoy um David's performance as Jean, so I guess we'll talk about Jean first then because I'm already talking about him um so <sighs> basically what happened was he, uh, enlisted the help of Nia to fill in the blanks, uh, of his memory that Malefic says that he's still in the dark. Like, he's like, you're still in the dark, Jean." Like, this is not the whole thing. Like, this, you need to remember the rest. And, uh, so Nia was like, well, yeah, I'll help you. So she uses her dream power to, like, uh, tap into Jean's mind and and show him his lost memories. Um, and it was I mean, it was interesting. It was really interesting to see like Jean when he was growing up and the you know playing that game, playing hide and seek, and learning that Malefic could not connect to the hive mind, uh, which is really interesting um, that he. He couldn't be con- not controlled, but like he couldn't connect to his his peers. And even Jean, he was like, "How you know it was so? Must have been so isolating for him. Like he wasn't a monster. He was just lonely, and he was scared, and he was different." Um, and I really found that very, very endearing and really, you know, like sympathetic. It made me feel bad for for Malefic. Um, and you find out that Jean's dad, Miran. He locked him away like for years to try and like pray the different away out of him or whatever, uh, which is, you know, not good. It's not good. Um, And so Jean kind of cuts off the dream when he sees his dad. in in agony over this over his son over his very very different son and praying and praying like please you know help my son be you know i've i've failed my son and so jean kind of cuts off the memory but then nia has a nightmare in the middle of the night and she's like i've got to go tell jean this i've got to go show him so she goes and shows jean that it was him who wiped their memories of his brother which uh, which was really interesting like because you know jean was very 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 upset at the fact that he believed Moran would wipe his brother from his memory from both his father's like from both his own memory and then jean's memory he was so upset because that is like the cardinal sin of being a martian like because you can die, but you'll live on in their memory forever because it's this, like, hive mind and they share these memories and they, you know, like, literally, like, they share them between all of them. They, like, share these memories. So he's like, if you kill somebody, if you delete somebody's memories from that, like, there's no going back. You have permanently, like, slain them. It is as if you have killed them. And so Jean was, like, so super 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 upset about that when he believed that it was his father you know he was like he was a holy man like how could he claim to be a holy man his whole life and like commit our most cardinal sin but when and then when he finds out that it was him who committed the this sin this atrocity of of martianism he was like oh my god like he was he was really 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 upset at himself for that and But Neo was like, Jean, like, you did it to protect your father and to protect you. Like, your father was so distraught and so distressed and emotions can kill Martians. At at least that's what I believe, I guess. Like, you know, it's like you can die of a broken heart. Like, Martians, I feel like, you know, are, are super, super, super in tune with their emotions and with their thoughts and with each other. That, you know, he could have genuinely hurt himself and a bunch of other people, including Jean. Uh, so Nia was like, you know, you just did what you had to do. Like, you just helped your dad. And he's like, no, I'm like a traitor. But you cannot, Nia, you cannot tell anybody what you saw. Um, which is interesting. I thought that that was the most interesting part of all of this was that he wanted to keep it a secret uh, from everybody. Which I think is interesting because, you know, he's been very open about his past with the White Martians, with himself, with what happened on, her, on Earth between him and Jeremiah Danvers. Everything to do with his past he's been super, super open about, but all of a sudden, like, he doesn't really want to share about his cardinal sin that he committed. Um, But something that he said at the end of the episode where he was like, you know what, you're all in danger because you're associated with me, I think he's doing it to protect everybody else. Because if Malefic knows that everyone knows what Jean did, he could use his mind manipulation powers to get them to like harm jean or harm themselves like he did with kelly like that was really scary when he made kelly like hold a piece of glass to her own throat like that was horrifying to watch and i don't know i'm just i'm very very scared of malefek and i can i can genuinely understand why the monitor uh, would want like to send him in like because he's genuinely like a force to be reckoned with for sure um and why the white Martians liked him because he could make people do whatever he wants like that is insanity, it's crazy I I don't even know it, it's just insane but yeah so that was kind of quite a bit of the episode was uh, Jean and Nia working through um his problems after he kind of uh not struck out because he definitely did not strike out with Kelly but but he you know, didn't find every single answer that he needed. So that was really interesting. I really appreciated that because, um, this season, it feels like the super friends are genuinely like the super friends. Do you know what I mean? Like, like in the previous seasons, we really would only see them all together. Like when they're all together, not like one on one, not like you would only like, okay. What I'm trying to say is, like, if we saw Jean hanging out with Nia, it was always when everybody was hanging out. But now we're seeing Jean and Nia be together, like, on their own and doing things on their own. And I think that's really cool because it really shows, like, the dynamics of their friend group and it and it kind of solidifies them more as a unit and as a team for me, uh, which I think is really cool because, you know, like I said, we really had only seen... The super friends interacting with each other in group settings when they're not like with Kara. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, Jean and Nia never would have hung out unless Kara was there. Like, there were many scenes of Jean, Nia, and Kara, or like Jean, Nia, Brainy, and Kara, like whoever, but you would never really see like just Jean and Nia like we did this episode. So I thought that was really cool. I thought that was really interesting and really different and a cool way to use um, Nia's character, especially because you know, so far this season, she hasn't had a whole lot to do. So that was really cool. And I saw, um, I actually saw a theory online that I thought was really interesting. So this is not mine, but, uh, that Nia would be the first one to know about crisis. I think that's really interesting and I hope it's true. That's really cool. Um, so, Go, jumping into some other characters, Andrea Rojas did not have much to do. She was just being weird and mean as usual. She was like, show me some sparkly dead people. Like, it was very strange because um, basically they're having a meeting at CatCo and, uh, oh god, what's that guy's name? Oh no, the guy that got the dragon, or he got the wood chips put in his coffee last season. Um, it's like a weird name. Franklin. It's Franklin. (laughs) Sorry, any Franklins out there. Just makes me think of that turtle from that kid's show. Um, But yeah, so she, Franklin is pitching this story of people that have recently died and the way that they died. Like, woohoo, how kooky. And (laughs) Andrea's like, well, that's cool. People love to read about death. And then, Uh, but then Franklin was like pitching these people and, and, you know, she's like, well, this is boring. If the person is boring, the death is boring. It does not matter how they died. Just it's boring. Um, and so all of a sudden he brings up this guy named Dr. Jared and Cara's like, oh my God, Dr. Jared died. And apparently this is a guy that Cara had interviewed before for this uh, thing on maybe nanobots. I can't exactly uh, like nanotechnology. I can't exactly remember what it was about, but it was something to do with, um, very, very cutting edge technology. And she was like, uh, isn't that really suspicious that this guy who was super young and a huge pioneer in this brand new crazy technology, like, isn't it weird that he just dropped dead of a heart attack at like, you know, a super young age? Like that's not normal. Kara's like, I want to investigate. But William, being absolutely super shady, he was like, nah, it's not interesting. I already looked into it, Kara. So don't bother. And Andrew's like, yeah, Kara, don't bother. (laughs) Um, But he is absolutely shady. William is because he was the one of the last people to see Dr. Jared alive, Um, which was really interesting. He kind of is like, begging with him to work with him. Um, and then he, 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 uh, Dr. Jared kind of like brushes him off and goes and meets our villain of the week, which is the spider lady. Um, and then he meets his, uh, inevitable doom. Um, and then at the end of the episode, also from William, we see him get a huge, like, pile of cash like from this guy and he's at a bench and it's just like in an envelope and uh, like that's definitely very shady and I've seen some people theorizing about how maybe like you know all the kinds of shady dealings that William could be doing and I think my my favorite one is that he's working with Leviathan because his wife is being held captive by Leviathan Um, And I am inclined this season to believe that literally everything is connected to Leviathan because at the end of season four, that old lady was like, Leviathan is everywhere. So I believe that that was kind of foreshadowing to be like all of these kind of confusing and disconnected storylines that you're seeing. All of it has to do with Leviathan. You'll see when we kind of wrap it all up. But right now, it feels kind of confusing and disconnected. Um, and I think that's one of the only flaws that I see this season, really, is that it's kind of... It's got all of these different things going on at once. And it's a bit hard to, like, keep your head around, but we'll get it'll get better. Uh, so now I'm going to talk about Brainy and Nia and about their Trouble in Paradise Um, Brainy, he's being kind of annoying as usual. He's annoying Nia. Uh, we see Nia looking real soft after getting out of the shower. That was very sweet. I, uh, I love Nicole Maines. She's so cute. Um, and he's still reading poems. And apparently every hour on the hour, he sends Nia a poem dedicated to a different body part. So, like, he, like, there was an example that he had almost read later in the episode where he's like, an ode to Nia Nall's left earlobe. I'm like, oh my god. (laughs) I want to read Brainy's, like, I want to read them. I'm very, very interested in reading all of his poems dedicated to all of Nia's body parts. Like, I want to know what he said about her left earlobe. I'm curious. Um, but... (sighs) at the end of the episode, we see Nia telling Brainy that the poems and the food is, is all too much for her. We finally see them communicate. We finally see Nia communicate what she's been feeling, uh, for the past, you know, two episodes. We finally see her, or I guess for the, just the last episode, whatever. We see her communicate those feelings to Brainy and Brainy looks absolutely heartbroken. He's like, you told me to be myself, but, but now you say that, like, I'm too much? Like, I can only be w- at 100 all the time. Like, I can't take it down. Like, I don't know. I just, I love everything about this relationship because I feel like seeing Brainy, like, kind of, uh, break down like that and be like, You told me that I could be myself and and now you're telling me that I'm too much and like it's just it's so honest and real and and earnest and, and it's so genuine. Like all of it just feels real. Like you're watching this and you're like, this is a real relationship. Like and I think it really, I mean, it all has to do with the amazing chemistry between Jesse and and, uh, Nicole um, and like the great writing between Nia and Brainy and and Nia is crying as Brainy is walking out the door. He just, he just leaves. And it seems that Brainy like lives with Nia now. Like, uh, so I had to wonder, like, where did he go? you know, like, where did Brainy go? Did he go to the DEO? Did he go, um, to the alien bar? Like, did, where did he go? You know, because he, like, I feel like he, he kind of put everything in Nia's basket. You know what I mean? Like, he moved in, it seems, basically. He moved in, uh, and he, like, was giving her 100 all the time you know like he said and and now he's like well I guess it's over so where do where do I go from here and I I hope we get to see like what he does like I hope that Alex like finds him like at the DEO or something at like an odd hour I would like that a lot because I I think that we that we deserve to see you know how Brainy's brain functions like how he works and And I think we deserve to see that kind of development for him and, and to see this more like emotional, uh, vulnerable side of him. Um, and then I'm really excited to see what they do with Nia as well, because obviously, you know, she, like, she doesn't know what to do. She's like, I love you, Brainy, but you need to like take it down a notch. And he's like, I physically like cannot do that. Like my brain is not capable of, of taking it down a notch. And, I'm really intrigued to see how their relationship plays out. I really hope that it's not like this forever. Like, I hope that they're not broken up for very long. I hope they can work it out. But I am really interested to see how it goes. Because this genuinely... Because I feel like Supergirl has always had a hard time writing relationships that feel real. And this one... I don't know. This one just feels real to me. Like, I didn't like Sanvers. I didn't like Caramel. Like, I just... I don't know. Like, they just never felt like, real or, like, organic or, you know, as earnest and genuine as Brainy and Nia. So, I, God, I hope they get back together, but I am genuinely kind of concerned about Brainy's well-being after, you know, like, this woman that he, I think, genuinely, like, is in love with, you know, like, he said, like, I love you, Nia and all, like, he's in love with her, and now she says, after saying, like, you just be yourself, like, now she doesn't want that, you know, what can that do to somebody who hears that, you know, who hears the woman that he loves say, you're too much for me. You're too much and I can't handle you. I'm, I'm really intrigued. I hope, 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 hope we get to dive into that because I think we deserve to see it for him. Um, uh, and then also more relationship drama. Um, we have Alex, um, who, again, really didn't have a whole lot to do this episode besides encouraging Kara, uh, to continue to mend her friendship with Lena. Um, and then also being like, stop breaking the law. That's illegal. And then Kara's like, well, everything at the DEO that we do is illegal. And Alex is like, touche. I thought that was really funny. I actually thought that that was so funny. Like, Kara just being like, literally everything that I ever do is not legal. Like, I am basically a vigilante. Just because I, like, just because I have powers does not make me not a vigilante. And Brainy just hacked into this place, like, you know, that is illegal as well. Like... It was really funny, uh, cause honestly, like that's kind of been like this weird unspoken thing the whole entire time that Supergirl has been around. Like, um, all of, uh, you know, all of the um things that he that they've done with the D.E.O. that have totally been not legal. It's just really funny uh, <laughs> to finally have it pointed out on the show. Um, But really, that's really all Alex gets to do um, until we get to Kelly. Um, I'm going to talk about stuff that Kelly did just to keep it a little bit in order, because then I'll talk about Alex and Kelly a little bit more at the end of my Kelly segment. But here's my Kelly segment. Um, uh, So Kelly, we see her at the beginning of the episode literally giving therapy to this woman she does not even know, literally just met, like, works at this, pl- like, stand or whatever. And I'm like, oh my god, Kelly. And and Alex is like, oh my god, Kelly. And Kara's like, Kelly, do you even know this woman? She's like, no, I just met her. Why did she just tell you her whole life story? Because that's my job, Cara. was like, well, this lady's not paying you. <laughs> um, so it's that was a really interesting thing to see from Kelly that she is just so open and so genuine and so kind hearted and, and such um, such an incredible, like empathetic human being that, you know, she's willing to just like listen to anybody who is who who's willing to talk. And I really, really like that about her. But in this episode, you know, we we get shown that that is not necessarily a great quality to have. Um, so, uh, she gets tricked in this episode into helping Malefic disguised as somebody Kelly knew from the army, who apparently was played by Sean Astin, uh, like, Rudy. Um, but, like, they, apparently they weren't allowed, the press weren't allowed to talk about it. It was, like, a big surprise, but the, the real surprise was that I had no idea. I didn't know. I had no idea that, that this man's was Sean Astin. Like, (laughs) when I looked at him, like, literally, I was like, that, um, (laughs) that meme of, um, Kiki Palmer, where she's like, I hate to say it, I hope it don't sound ridiculous, I don't know who this man is, I mean, he could be walking down the street, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't know a thing sorry to this man. That was me looking at Sean Astin. I had no idea that he was supposed to be special. I was just like, oh, it's just like a guy who, you know, Kelly knew. But no, like it's fully like Sean Astin. Like, whoops. I feel like if they had actually like talked about it, people would be talking about it. But nobody was talking about it because I didn't know. I don't think anybody recognized him because I feel like most of the people that watch the show are like in my age bracket. And all I know him from is Rudy because we had to watch it in health and he looks totally different. <laughs> like, so I don't know. But anyway, so Sean Aston was there and he was basically like, hey, can you just take me into your lab tonight and like do this? Because Kelly, I'm going to hurt myself. And Kelly's like, well, no, you're not going to hurt yourself. I'm going to, yeah, come on, come to Obsidian later tonight. We will, you know, get you into the contacts because she didn't have any openings for any appointments for, Till like Friday or something. I don't know. It wasn't even that long. I'm like, Malefic, be patient. But anyway, so he short circuits the contacts because, duh, he's an alien with like psychic powers. And Kelly is like, what is happening? But then she's like, you're him, like you're Jean's brother. And then he kind of short circuits the whole entire thing, busts out of there, and then like starts transforming into different people. But apparently, because of this moment that they shared when they both were wearing this obsidian technology, Kelly can now see him due to like this glowing like energy around him. So Kelly can tell when he's shifted into a different person. So I thought at the moment, like if you looked, if you saw me live tweeting, you would have thought that I was going insane. I was literally tweeting like in all caps, like Kelly has powers. Kelly has powers. Kelly has powers. Kelly has powers. But she doesn't have powers apparently she could just see sean's brother it's not super exciting but it was it was still really cool um uh and she's unfortunately at the end of this episode forced to go away to like be protected from from Mal-Efec, which was very upsetting i'm like don't take kelly away we just got her i'm very upset by this and so was alex um and i was so heartbroken when alex was like you have to like you have to go you have to get out of here like you have to be safe and kelly was like you want me to go away like that was so upsetting that was so upsetting like we just got dancing and we just got kelly please let me keep them <laughs> which i know that obviously like she's not going anywhere but it's still like i i i already miss dancing like we didn't even get to see them interact that much but i already miss them um, and so that leads to James, who, of course, as soon as 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 soon as he's leaving, they figure out how to write him. How lovely. I actually like him now, and now he's gonna go. I'm like, damn, why didn't you just keep him the same kind of, like, douchey jerkass that he's always been from two to four? Like, what? what? Why, like, why now? Why start writing him, like, season one now? Like, are you kidding? So, he helps Kara with her sleuthing. He's very enjoyable. He is, like, Kara's partner in crime. Like, that's literally what he feels like. And it's just, it was just so upsetting because I'm, like, now he's gonna go. And I don't want him to go. I'm, like, man, James, I'm gonna miss you. Um, uh, and then... He also helps Kara as guardian when fighting the spider lady, and he gets, like, the spider on him, and then they have to, like, suck it off with, like, this magical vacuum. is really gross. I hate spiders. I don't even want to talk about the spider lady. I hate spiders. I hate spiders. Um, but then, Jean, or excuse me, James is then the one who takes Kelly, so they're going on an Olsen family road trip. So, I think that'll be super interesting, actually, because, you know, I like James. I like Kelly. I love when they interact, like in the beginning of this episode. That was just like super cute. Uh, Olsen siblings, Danvers siblings kind of going at it. I thought that was so cute. Um, but it was, you know, obviously it was really upsetting to see him take Kelly away, but I, I think it'll be, it'll be really interesting, you know, to see what shenanigans they get up to on the road. Um, so that brings us to Lena and Kara. Um, Lena cannot figure out how to make these Q waves or whatever in the brain, not totally, like, rewrite someone's brain, but then also, like, not, like, she's just trying to, like, make, okay, so Hope literally says, quote, you don't want a world of robots, you just want better people. So Lena's literally like, I just want to erase the part of people's brains that, like, hurts, makes them hurt other people, not, like, mind control them at all so we, you know, we see that, and then Hope, like, gives Lena a hug, which was, like, super funny and super weird, and Andrea, first of all, does such an amazing job as, like, Hope Eve, like, Hope and Eve, like, the, you know, Hope Eve, or excuse me, Hope in Eve, like, she does such an amazing job as that, because she has this, like, robotic, like, kind of, not accent, but you know what I mean? Like a robotic kind of lit to her voice. And it's so good because it's so subtle and different from Eve's voice, but also like robotic and, and, but it's not quite Siri and it's not quite like, it's not ridiculous. Cause a lot of the time, you know, when people do these robot voices, it's super hammy, super ridiculous. Like it takes you out of it, but Andrea does like such a good job. So I really, I mean, you know, I don't really enjoy this storyline of of hope totally taking over Eve. Like I just don't like that. But I do really enjoy seeing Andrea play this version of Eve. I think it's really really interesting. Um, it's it's really cool to see. I really like it because um, she's such a good actress. And really, you know, when she was Eve, obviously we had that twist at the end, and she did such a good job there. But before that, you know, she never she didn't really get to do a whole lot because she was just Eve. You know, like. Lena's assistant, you know, whatever. Like, she just didn't have a whole lot of emotional depth to her. But now she does. And I think that's really cool. And she has a lot to work with. So I'm excited to see what she does, you know, in the coming uh, episodes with this Hope Eve situation. Um, and also, we see Hope influencing Lena in this episode. Like, even if, like, even if it wasn't super, like, blatantly obvious, I feel like it happened anyway. Like, we see her suggesting Lex's journals, like, we see her kind of being, like, well, there's no way that you could get them, like, kind of, you know, I don't know. It's just a lot of, like, really subtle things that I just feel like are gonna, like, add up at one point to, like, Lena, you know, kind of going off the deep end into this, like, hope world, you know, like being controlled by hope. And, and like, you know, then Lena eventually is like, well, I know who can break into that place and get those journals for me. Supergirl. So she tells Kara, she's like, hey, Kara, I need Lex's journals because I've got PTSD and I want to read them to get more. (laughs) And, And Kara's like, absolutely. I will get them for you right now. And Lena's like, well, I'm not going to ask you to do that. And Kara's like, I'm not, you're not asking, I'm offering. Um, and after she kind of goes away, she flies, Kara flies away. We see Lena literally with tears in her eyes, looking apprehensive and looking guilty um, because i I don't think she genuinely expected Kara to literally like jump on this opportunity to help her and to literally break the law like for Lena. Like she's willing to do so much for Lena. And I think, I think Lena like is realizing how good of a person Kara is. Like, because I think that's going to be Lena's dilemma. Like, because Kara has such good like intentions and motives and she's such a good person that like, why? Take away the part of her brain that makes her lie or whatever. Like, I think that Lena is going to see, well, Kara is still a good person, even though she lies sometimes, even though she does, even though she inadvertently hurts people sometimes. Like, I think that Lena is going to, like, see that maybe, you know, maybe people can be good people and still lie or people can be good people and do that, you know? So, because right now she's thinking black and white, you know, like, that's it, like, people are good or people are bad, people lie or they don't, you know, and, and in doing so, in trying to rid the world of liars and people who hurt other people, she's literally lying and hurting other people, and that's why I don't think any of this makes sense, and that's why I just think that this is totally, like, a hope uh, thing. Like, Lena, like, Lena is all about logic and her logic doesn't work. Her logic does not work when she's lying and hurting people and doing this to further her own agenda of have, of ridding the world of liars and people who hurt people. And that's just why I genuinely don't think this is Lena. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I'm a fool. I don't know. But I just cannot, I just don't believe that this is all Lena's doing, you know? because she kind of jumps on these out-of-character opportunities so quickly. And 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 somebody even mentioned in the comments of, of my last video that, I mean, Jack experimented on himself with the nanobots. Like, he made himself, like, that nanobot creature thing. Who's to say that Lena didn't do that, that Lena didn't try it on herself first, you know? And, and, So maybe, like, it's already affect. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You can listen to the last episode to hear, like, in depth about my theory about uh, Hope controlling Lena, but I don't know. I genuinely just believe that it's- this is not Lena. Like, it's not- it's not. Um... So then Kara, we, this is kind of Kara's side of things. She's super nervous for her lunch date with Lena. Uh, she just wants everything to go well. She's like, this is the first time that we're hanging out post reveal. Um, and the, the the thing is that to get lunch, she flew to Paris, Milan, and Dublin to get all of Lena's favorite foods. Are you kidding? That is literally straight out of a Supercorp fanfic. Like, listen, I try to be, like, pretty, you know, uh, pretty, like, unbiased, I guess, when it comes to my reactions and my, and my, uh, recaps and reviews of, of Supergirl, but god damn, this was so romantic. The whole entire episode was so romantically coded. Um, And I'm going to talk about that later. I have like a rant about it to go on. But to, you know, to see Lena, or excuse me, to see Kara um, literally flying across the world to pick up Lena lunch, like that has happened in so many Supercourt fanfics. And I just want to have a word with the writers. Like, what are you reading? What are your recommendations? Have you read... This, the, the Midvale in Canada AU, like, have you read that by, um, I think it's by Jazzford Shire, like, oh my god, have you read that? Like, I just want to know what they're reading and what they're pulling their inspiration from because it's genuinely, like, all of it is fanfic material. And even later, we get, um, she steals the journals, uh, finally she steals the journals, and then she shows up at Lena's apartment and, like, kind of floats outside and looks at Lena from her window. Like, that is literally a scene in, like, every single Supercourt fanfic. Are you kidding me? And then she slowly, like, she, like, kind of waves to Lena and, like, she looks so soft and so earnest and so genuine and she, ugh, oh, broke my heart. And then... You know, we see uh, Kara say, or Lena says, you know, I hope we haven't crossed any boundaries. And Kara says, for a friend like you, there are no boundaries. And that scene, at the same exact time that that scene was happening, they interlaced it with the dancing, like, goodbye scene. I'm like, this is so romantic. Like, it really genuinely is. And it's it's just crazy. I'm like, either we're getting baited again. Or Supercorp is endgame, like, <laughs> I don't know what is going on, but hopefully, hopefully it's Supercorp endgame, because this is too much, this is too much. Um, uh, so really quick, I do want to talk about all of this romantic coding that's going on, because I also see a lot of pushback from it, and I, and I read this thing that was like, you know, they keep saying best friends, like, with Kara and Lena, so that they can be like, this is you doing this, like, this is on you not our fault that you're reading too much into this like the writers are being like kind of washing their hands of it by saying best friend but do you know how many straight couples that have been on tv that have been like slow burns have been just friends or like besties for the resties like I can name Castle and Beckett Lucifer and Chloe like literally um who else I don't know Oliver and Felicity maybe I don't know Um, Iris and Barry, are you kidding? They were, like, nope, we're not getting explicit on this episode. They were literally siblings. Iris and Barry were literally siblings. Uh, Like, just so, 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 so many. Uh, Like, that is a common trope to use. Like, you can't be, like, well, it's not our thing if you're just, like, they're just friends. Like, that's a common trope that is used in romantic situations literally all the time. Literally all the time. So, that's not even an excuse. Like, like, what? No. No, 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 no. Like, that's not even, that's not even a thing. No. That's just, I rebuke that. That's, I just, I rebuke that for sure. Um, and so, I also want to talk about some of the Clois parallels that we see, like, Clark and Lois and to Supercorp, because honestly, like, it's crazy how often they parallel Supercorp with Clark and Lois, because it's like, dude, if you didn't want it to be romantic, like, why would you pair it with, you know, this, this, you know, ship that is so iconic because there's, like, a scene from, I think it was Dean Cain's Superman, but it also could have been, um, Christopher Reeve's, yeah, I think it was Christopher Reeve's Superman, I can't remember, whichever Superman had the, um, the logo on their, on the back of their cape in yellow, I think it's Dean Cain, but, because somebody was saying that it was a parallel to the show Clark and Lois, then that was Dean Cain for sure, um, but it also kind of looks like Christopher Reeves, but I think it's Dean Cain, um, where it's literally the exact same shot. Like, literally the exact same shot. And it's, it's a shot of the back of Superman looking, like, at Lois before he actually, like, goes up to her while she's just sitting. And then we have this shot of the back of Kara looking at Lena while she's just, like, sitting. Uh, Like, this, like, romantic longing thing It's just, uh, what? What? And you cannot tell me that this is, like, unintentional or whatever because of how much the show has always paid homage to these old Superman references, so they know what they're doing. Like, this is not... Like this is not a surprise to them that oh whoa look at that did can you believe that there was a shot just like that in this Clark and Lois show like no they knew that like they knew they knew I knew they I know they knew like like this is stuff that I don't know I don't know I don't know <sighs> all I know is that supercorp like, <laughs> um like I don't know I don't know. It's just too much. Like she literally broke into a government agency. Like, are you kidding me? She just broke into a government agency to like steal something for Lena. Like, oh my god, oh my god, <sighs> what? I don't know. And uh, like, I don't know. People just like jump through so many hoops to to deny that supercorp is like being uh, not te- well, definitely teased and like you know, maybe not being, like, foreshadowed, but, like, being planted, like, some seeds have been planted, like, if they, I guess, if they ever wanted to go that direction. Like, so you just, I don't know, you just can't deny that. I don't know. <laughs> like, you just can't. You cannot deny all of this romantic coding and the, rom- the romantic undertones of some of these scenes. And, I was thinking about it, too, like, speaking of Sophie and, and Kate and, like, Iris and Barry and Oliver and Felicity, speaking of all of those couples, more often than not, at least in the Arrowverse, the Endgame couple is established, like, super, super early in for the main protagonist of the show, like, either season one or season two, like... You know, because I doubt that we'll see Sophie endgame in season one. I think it'll be season two before Sophie divorces her husband. But anyway, um, so for Cara, like, that's literally Lena. Like, it's either James, Monel, or Lena, or Adam. But they wouldn't bring him back because he's literally Melissa's ex-husband. Like, they would never bring him back. <laughs> So, and with James leaving and with, I think, Chris Wood wanting to stay, like, a million miles away from Supergirl and everybody else wanting him to stay even further away from Supergirl, like, there's no other option. Like, if if they want Kara to have, like, this endgame, like, love interest, it's Lena. Like, this is the long-established relationship that they have on the show. Like, they don't, I don't know, they just don't have another, like, long relationship for Kara. Like the way that they had with West Allen and the illicity, and the way that they're gonna have with Bat Sophie, and and you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. All I know is that everything that Supercorp does is super romantically coded, and, <laughs> and that's just the truth, and that's just the tea. So that's it. Also, I wanted to talk about this really, really quick. I just wanted to mention it really quick. I know I'm running really long, but um. I saw this post from 72Gert on Tumblr, and it says, I think it's being a bit overlooked that Kara is keeping Alex in the loop with what's going on with Lena versus isolating herself with uh, what was happening with Monel, which is true Kara totally like isolated herself from everybody when dealing with Monel, and what was going on with him and then at the same time Alex being in her honeymoon phase with Kelly but still aware of everyone else and sharing her own situation with Kara versus when she was totally absorbed with Maggie and not reaching out unless she's already messed up um, and it was just an opinion or like a cool post about the Danvers sisters relationships but I also think it's a really cool post about the one health of these relationships relationships that they're um, talking about, and then also about their growth as characters. Because Kara, you know, like I've said, she's standing up for herself, she's more confident, she's it's totally different this season than she was for, in season one and season two. Same thing with Alex. Like, she was literally, honestly, kind of like, you know, that was her first, like, quote, real relationship because that was the first time that she ever actually, like, enjoyed being in a a relationship. Like, yes, she had relationships with men, but that doesn't make her any less of a lesbian, by the way. Um, Caramels, who love to ship her with uh, Maxwell Lord. Disgusting, first of all. Anyway, like, so this is the first time that she ever actually had a relationship that she, felt comfortable in and felt safe in and so she like did so much like she just kind of threw herself into Maggie and then you know threw herself into this engagement with Maggie and kind of isolated herself from Kara the same way that Kara did with Alex when she was with Monel. like it just shows like the the kind of unhealthy aspects of those relationships and the really really healthy aspects of Kara and Lena and and um Alex and Kelly which I love um And then, uh, I also really quick want to talk about the ratings. So, the ratings, it was a series low, it was a series low for the, the show, um, which is really sad, um, because I guess, I don't know, I think, I think it's, like I said earlier, the fact that the show is kind of, um, all of the storylines seem very disconnected and very random and very, like, different from each other and a little bit hard to follow. But I think once it all, like, connects to Leviathan in the end, like, it'll definitely be better. Um, And I think, unfortunately, the fact that they kind of have to deal with the aftermath of Crisis instead of the build-up to Crisis is definitely not helping either. Because I feel like more people are watching Flash and Arrow, to make sure they're caught up for this huge 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 crossover event you know like so this build up to crisis and I also feel like crisis is hurting them in that way where they're like well we can't develop our main storyline too much but we really have to like start because after crisis like we have to keep going with that but then there's also like crisis right in the middle of all of it so I feel like they're kind of between a rock and a hard place with what they can do with their storytelling which really does suck for them um So, you know, obviously I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt with all of this because the episodes have been good. They're just kind of boring, not super memorable, but also at the same time, like too much. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I guess the thing is that they're not there. Haven't there hasn't been like a, a whole bunch of like super memorable moments uh, for them. But um, the best ways that you can help with this uh, situation is to stream the episode on the CW's app or their website. Um, if you live outside of the United States, you can download a VPN and then change your location to the to the United States um, and then stream it that way. And then that will make that will count as a US. Um, uh, stream, because your computer thinks you're in the United States. Um, you can also re-watch if you DVR'd the episode, so if you recorded it on your TV, please rewatch it, even if you're not even watching it, like, because that's th- another thing, like, you don't actually have to sit and watch the episode, you could just, like, have it on in the background, you could just mute it, like, whatever you do, like, if you just turn it on and let it play, then that counts as a view, and it counts as a stream, and it counts as a good thing towards Supergirl. Um, And I cannot stress this enough. I know that I talked about this last time, but tweet with the hashtag, live tweet Supergirl with the hashtag. What I do is I copy the, like, hashtag Supergirl and then I just paste it at the end of all of my tweets to make it super easy and make sure that I don't misspell the hashtag when I'm, like, live tweeting. And I know that sometimes it sucks to, like, have to think about adding this hashtag, but it genuinely helps the show. Like I said last time, Legends of Tomorrow stars, I think it was, like, Katie Lotts, had said, and, like, uh, Jess McAllen had said that, like, and the CW's own boss, like, they don't look at ratings really all that much unless they're absolutely horrible, um, but they really genuinely look at tweets, viewer engagement, like, that's how they measure viewer engagement because I think they realize that not everybody has, you know, a Nielsen box to, like, record, you know, to make sure that they count in the ratings, especially, like, in our age group, um. But also, if you live, like, in an apartment building or, like, in a dorm building, um, then you'll definitely have a Nelson box, so make sure that you just kind of have on the show, um, live, like, at that time. Um, again, you don't have to watch it, just have it on in the background. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, make sure that you're doing that. Go leave a rating on IMDb for the episode, um, go leave a rating on Rotten Tomatoes for the season, Um, and then you could also go on Netflix. I know that it's on Netflix in most countries, I think, Um, so even if you watch the old episodes on Netflix, it still shows that people are interested. Preferably watch from, like, season four, because then it looks like you're catching up for the new season. So, yeah, kind of do that. (laughs) Not to, like, preach at you or anything, but um, I think it's kind of an easy thing to do to help the show out. So, you know, we all love Supergirl. We all want her to be around for a very long time. So let's, let's help her out. Let's help her out. Um, really quick final notes. Um, um, oh yeah. I also wanted to talk about really quick, the spider lady. I don't really want to talk about her, but we gotta, um, I want to talk about her, uh, connection to Leviathan, um, because they were like, who do you work for? And then she ran away. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, obviously, she works for Leviathan, um, and I think Leviathan wanted this tech guy dead because, obviously, they want this competition, like, out of the way, because if they're working with Obsidian, they don't want any, like, competing technology, like, to get in the way of what they're doing with Obsidian and oh, probably, in the end, mind control all of National City, which, honestly if my theory about Hope and Lena is right, then they needed that information of Lex's to be able to mind control all of the people who have these obsidian contacts, because that's honestly what I think the the end is. It's kind of going to be Myriad all over again, where they're trying to mind control everybody. So I think that they needed that information from Lex, so they're using Lena by making Hope, like, you know, control Lena and put things in her head and make her do stuff that she wouldn't normally do. I just genuinely think that uh, that Lena, like, fully is is being under the control of Hope and that in order to meet Leviathan's end in the way that, you know, they want to with probably controlling anybody that has these obsidian contacts then they need to have this information on Q waves and mind control from Lex Luthor. So they use Lena to use Kara to get that, to to like meet their end. It's, it's all very complicated and connected. And honestly, if this is how it's going to go, like if this is what's actually happening, hats off to the Supergirl writers, because this is really cool that everything is connected. Like, I don't know. It's just really awesome. I love these kinds of stories where like literally every single thing is connected. So, kudos to them if that's actually what's happening. If it's not, I'm still probably going to be impressed by whatever you pull out, but really, really excited about that. Obviously, I had more to talk about than I thought I did. Jesus. I just fully, I just fully was like, I just don't feel like I have a whole lot to talk about this episode, but obviously I did. So, I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, Let me know what you think. Tweet me at televised podcast, or excuse me, no, it's not at televised podcast. It's at Tweet me at TelevisedPod. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Um, and let me know, yeah, just, I don't know, let me know your feelings on the episode. Let me know what you thought. Um, and let me know what you think of this episode of the podcast. Um, you can rate the podcast on iTunes. That'd be really cool. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you can give it a like. You can leave me a comment on YouTube. That'd be really cool. I read and respond to all of them because I love to read your guys' theories as well. It is so cool because it's just, like, I don't know, a fun time. We can share theories and geek out about Supergirl together. Um, And also, you can follow on Spotify, um, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, you know, do all the things. Um, So, yeah, I think that's it for me today, guys. I will see you next week, and I hope you guys enjoy the new episode of Supergirl next week. I will see you next Wednesday. Bye.